0: Out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is The C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As you know, always playing the finest in indie pop. Sometimes before, sometimes after. Anyway, we also love a special guest. And this week, it is going to be the turn of... The Parachute Men, all the way from Leeds, because a few months ago, I spoke to the lead singer, Fiona Gregg, to find out more about life, love, poetry, and all that other groovy sort of stuff. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this fascinating interview. Well, Fiona's fascinating, I'm just slightly dull, but after a bit of chat, we got down to the important stuff, which was... um, conversation interview um, and this is where i would asked her about her early musical influences it's a great start anyway Fiona save this interview now
1: I I my I mean I suppose the band came from well I, we were all in bands before the parachute men I think we all were in bands at the were, were affected by punk obviously because we were that age we were at the right age when punk started. So we all um, we were all quite influenced by that, but we also were influenced a lot by the glam rock of the early '70s, um, definitely. And then the sort of more what they the, ended up calling power pop, which was stuff like the Pretenders and Elvis Costello and blah 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 and all that. Um, so there was a big mix of '70s and early '80s uh, when we finally came together. We found we all had very similar tastes. Yes. Um. You know. And plus, we've been in bands previously so we all had we brought that baggage along with us as well
0: um, yes you know, so because I was going to say, I was thinking, you know, because the glam period, you know, with Sweet and Gary Glitter, obviously, and then there's the sort of David Bowie stuff and Slade and yeah. Slight T-Rex, I suppose well, all those things, and obviously Alice Cooper with his, yeah. his classic schools I kind of had that moment. But obviously, I was one of those people who listened to music. I never even attempted to play it. So were you yeah. always kind of tempted to get into singing? I mean, you were a vocalist and obviously had that kind of confidence to become a, to join a band
1: yeah i I wanted to sing right from seeing um especially other you know women singing in in bands from the early seventies um i can't I can't really say who who it would be now, but I just used or even even just men as well I just wanted to be one of them. I just remember thinking as a very young girl that I wanted to be in a band yes I started off uh, as soon as I could really from school, and there were some absolute disasters, and I actually couldn't really sing.
0: excellent i still
1: question whether i can sing but uh it's it it just i was just driven and i just wanted to be i didn't want to be on i didn't necessarily want to prance about on stage i just knew i wanted to be singing in a band making music i wanted to create so that that did yeah I, i always wanted that so by the time i was 14 15 there i was you know
0: Yes. And did you, because being, because you're from Leeds and obviously in the early 80s, we had the sort of political sort of angst going on in the Thatcher years and and there was a lot of unemployment and enterprise allowance and, and yes, and all that sort of job seekers allowance which seemed to play a big part in a lot of people because uh, people's lives when they're young because they had those years unemployed and for a lot of people they thought well we'll just be in a band and sign on for a there was Mm -hmm. the I think it was the enterprise allowance which gave you a year being a self-employed anything so did you I mean there was you know I'm
1: old for that I I actually came I didn't I didn't um there was the uh what was there there was the youth youth enterprise and things like that I was a little bit just a bit too old I'd already done an apprenticeship and um and things so I but I, I I flitted between being uh bands and yes signing on and um and things so you know I was uh you know I, I was affected a lot by various you know environment you know the environment my, around me um which affected everything that you know I was Leeds was my my town and it, it affected uh, how you know how I was yes form.
0: Yeah, and Leeds obviously. I say obviously because I know a few people who lived in Leeds, mainly in the squatting years, the squatting oh, right, period yeah. of the eighties, exactly. and there was the, there was a lot of squatting going on, and there was God, the sort of yeah. there was the meat and then people like Chumbawamba, and then obviously the goths the scene as well, and girls I at our base. Three
1: John, I'm one of the. I, 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 do, you remember, do you know the Three Johns? I do. Yeah, well, I go out with one of them. <laughs>
0: do you? Yeah, with part Yeah, with yeah
1: the bass player, the mm. bass player because I Brennan, didn't, yeah. Okay,
0: um, because it
1: all comes around. It all comes around. (laughs) Yes,
0: because I did an interview with John Langford. And then I I think he's with, because bizarrely, I've got a single by Sally Timms looking at me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She did a single with Mark Armand called This House. So, Yeah. um, yeah. So were you aware of that whole musical scene that was going on in Leeds?
1: Well, it's funny. I've had this conversation before because um, the Three Johns came a little later than, place, uh, than like, the, the Gang of Four and, and uh, the Meccans and things like. Because they were sort of a, a, like they, they they started. They came from those bands, really. Um, but um, we, I lived in East Leeds, and um, where they come from, it was University Land and, like, say Squatterland. I lived in East Leeds, and we had our own scene, so we weren't really affected. And we saw them all as a little bit arty. Yes. Uh, the, oh, sure. you know, they weren't really from Leeds and, you know, whereas Crossgates, where I came from, East Leeds, was a very serious punk scene. And, um, you know, there's a band called the Abrasive Wheels who were sort of, like, big and they they, they were the punk band. Um, look them up, they are there. And um, uh, so we had our own scene, so they didn't really affect me. I wasn't impressed by the Delta 5, nah, none of that. It didn't impress me at all. We just got on with what, you know... With proper working class stuff, none of that middle class stuff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Excellent, God, that's really straight down the line, isn't it? I mean, from being from Norwich, I mean, we had very little music scene, and and to be honest, there was only a few Are you bands. From Norwich? Yes, I
1: was born in Norwich. Excellent, I'm glad. I was born there. We didn't live there for very long. We moved up north pretty quickly, but I was actually born in Norwich. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> a fine city. God, there you go. Where where did your parents live? What
1: um, I, oh, I don't know. I couldn't, I've never been back. Um, they, I mean, I think my dad got there from Portsmouth. They got sent, my dad got sent there for work. And like I say, I think they lived there a couple, had me and then we moved up north. I, I, I wouldn't know. I can't, I can't no. think. If, I'll, I'll text you when I find out.
0: God, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Well, cause we had the Higson serious drinking and slightly the farmer's boys, which were a little bit in yes, the Yes, right, but yeah. but I mean, it didn't really set the world on fire, really, did it? You know, those three bands. Whereas when when Cherry Red Records put out these compilations, they did one a few years ago on Manchester, which had seven CDs and one on Liverpool had five. And um, bizarrely, they're just the one on Sheffield. You know, and I think, God, they would really struggle with Norwich, wouldn't they? You know, it really would be a disaster. Oh,
1: they would with Leeds, really, as well. Like, seriously, I think they would. I mean, you know, I think when you compare Leeds to places like Leeds and
0: Manchester, uh,
1: sorry, Leads to Liverpool and Manchester. I think you know they win hands over really, don't they? They're, they're you know they're far more yes influential. Um, there's a lot more come out of there than they have. Lead. I mean, I'd say you know uh, Leeds got a reputation for being goth city, yes. and uh, it was you know the Sisters of Mercy and all this, which we hated. All that. <laughs> all right actually no the sisters were fine they they were they were made to be a goth band but they weren't they they were a rock band and they were good but it was this terrible goth scene and we got lumped in with that and that's what lead has always been kind of it's never been able to share you know to get rid of that and it annoys me really but that that's why we won't ever you know be up to uh liverpool manchester Thanks at all? I don't think.
0: <laughs> no. So look. So as 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 the because everyone I say everyone that's a swing statement, but but a lot of people I interview always mention three bands that were hugely influential. There was the well, fourth, Therefore, oh yeah, there's the there's Orange Juice, but they always mention uh, the Go Betweens, uh, June Bride, and the Smiths. Did um was was were any of those on your radar when you were sort of getting together with your band?
1: Uh, yes, that definitely. Um... Actually, it's funny because we were compared quite a lot to the go betweens at the time. Um, but the Smiths, we all love the Smiths. Um, I think most people of a certain type did. You know, they, they they came along at a really good time and they changed things. If you were, uh, you know, wanting to put a soap, like a guitar band together, they they kind of um, refreshed the scene at the time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean. I can't really think, again, it's a long time ago. Um, I wouldn't say the Smiths influenced our band particularly because, we, like I say, we've been in bands before and we were influenced by things from a lot earlier on. But, uh, yeah, definitely the Smiths were up there.
0: Yes, because they'd sort of been sort of going for a few years. So when you put the Parachute Men together, did it feel like quite a serious kind of enterprise or sort of a commitment?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: You were you were going to go for it? This oh, was definitely,
1: a... yeah, yeah. We immediately we started writing together. We knew, we just knew that the songs were just just the the ones, you know. We just uh, we just felt so happy. We were a gang. It was like four of us, and we just were all on, you know, on the same thing all the time. We just, um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, we just knew.
0: And how <laughs> and how did the band come together? I mean, who were the main kind of you know people who led it? Because it, well,
1: put... it was me first, me and Steve got together because we knew each other from, um, from two different bands. We got together. He left his, I left mine. And then we were introduced to Mark and Andy one night, and we all just, we just hit it off. We all had the same, again, you know, the same influences, you know, um, the same ideas, um, same humour, which is why we ended up being called the Parachute Men. Um, we just constantly laughed all the time, and we just just had a really good time. Um, and so that's, that was it. We started. We started writing pretty much straight away. and yeah, we were signed to fire not long after we got together. It yes. just took a long time. When you, when you were on fire records, things took a long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is it is, it, it it, it is in, for that? <laughs> is it, it is quite interesting because a few people who met you know it's one of those record labels and. Not many people look back with great fondness on their time.
1: No, I know. And I got, I think uh, I got into trouble with Clive, who was the, you know, managing director, because we met the um, senseless things at the party. So so a a party, it was a fire party they were giving. And it was, I can't remember. They're all, there were loads of people there. Um, And the senseless things were there. And they got chatting to me and I'd had a few drinks, you know, as you do. And, um, I said I wouldn't. I wouldn't sign to them because Fire were looking to sign them, and I just said I wouldn't sign. <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't.
0: <laughs> I think,
1: actually, to be fair, I think they got a better offer somewhere else. But they didn't sign to Fire, and I think Clive actually sort of got very angry, and I think that was the end of my relationship with him. So.
0: <laughs> yes. Did you have any other kind of offers of other record labels looking to sign you, or was it kind of mostly because Fire did sign a lot of record uh, a lot of bands in that period?
1: Yeah, we did. I mean, again, it's a long time ago. I, I mean, I remember we got we, we got signed to EMI uh, for a publishing deal, so we had the EMI publishing deal, which was quite lucrative. Um, and there were there were there were a couple of labels sniffing about. I would not. I wouldn't say that anything like major. Um, no, no big major. I think you might have had the odd phone call, but um, slightly bigger indie labels possibly. Um, but it never came off. I just think, I don't know. Is it once you're with that? I wouldn't want to blame them because I did think I think they gave us a certain amount of support, but it was certainly a bit of a black hole as well. And I think a lot of bands would say that about Fire.
0: Yes, it's a tricky one, but I mean, they, they, it made they, it very they
1: difficult. if he thought if, if he thought we'd have had something at a certain time, he would have made it very difficult for um, anybody to, to take us, you know, so I don't know, he might have put some people off. <laughs> yes,
0: because interestingly enough, and I hadn't ever appreciate, appreciated this, but most bands have a five-year narrative. You know, they get together, they spend 12 months, 18 months getting a sound, you know, the single comes out, John Peel plays it, they get the session, the first album, things are going well, second album, a bit tricky, and if anyone ever does America, it's a disaster for, for most yeah. bands. So how did you, you know, because you do have a five-year narrative as well, don't you, with the classic mm. kind of, so what was, so you obviously got together in 85 and the first album came out in 87. So things were were going well. And that was kind of the height of Indie pop was an eighty-seven. Yeah. You know, yeah. nothing could go wrong until yeah. until Ecstasy came along and wiped everyone, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that yeah. everyone had to sound like the Suit Dragons and Happy Mondays, didn't they? And that was like oh, yeah, but exactly. Yeah, it yeah was, you're uh,
1: absolutely right.
0: <laughs> it was a Got tricky on. one for a lot of bands. So, did it? You know, with when you made that first album, was it sort of everything kind of firing on all cylinders? The Innocence.
1: It, it was it's difficult to talk that album was made in about three different studios over a fairly long period of time of probably over about a year um so we started off um we did uh, they we demoed a couple of tracks for them and we did that in driftfield um a place called The slaughterhouse that's up in north Yorkshire um we also oh dear low battery oh dear Oh, I think we'll manage. Are we going? How much? How long are we going on for, David? Oh, I
0: don't know, um, 10, 15 minutes.
1: All right. But I tell you what. I shall get my charger and we'll plug in. <laughs> so but bear with me while I go. So what were we saying? What were we saying? Yes, we...
0: the the first album, the Innocence. Did, I just wondered. Yes, and you so said we, it so was we... recorded in three studios, which sounds like a briny. Yeah,
1: Studio. So we we did we so we demoed a couple of tracks for that album uh, to, uh, at, at Driffield, and then we went to Leeds, I think, somewhere in Leeds. Fire centres all over the place to do these songs. And then, um hang on a minute, let me get me charger. Oh, Ooh. <laughs> all right. Then. I've got three little dogs. And they're all in different rooms because they bark so we go oh won't be long darling won't be long <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's Dotty I'm leaving her in my bedroom. yeah so uh, um yeah so then we ended and then we went to um uh, lemington's bar to uh, Woodbine studios and then we ended up there to put the whole album together so it probably took a year in the making really.
0: And did you have the same producer and engineer for that?
1: No, everything was different. So if you listen to the album, I think uh, John Le- John Leckie uh, put the album together finally at Lemington Spa.
0: The famous John Leckie?
1: Yeah. No, 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 John. What am I talking about? Do you know, you've got me because it's so long ago. It's not John Leckie, is it? Anyway, I'll have to look on the label. I will. <laughs> something. He was still quite famous for his time. Uh, so, yeah. so, and so we ended up doing that, really. We um ended up there for a, I think, a fortnight to um, put the whole thing together, get the all the demos together from different studios, and then we cut we recorded some live in the studio, and then it all just came together like, like that. yeah, so it... it's just, talk about that album because it like I say, it did t- it took a lot of making from different areas.
0: And at the time, were you all sort of doing this as a sort of full-time, 24-7 sort of... No,
1: we were still working. You know, we all still had jobs. Right. You know, and... we couldn't... You know, the, the live scene, uh, couldn't pay. You couldn't pay. And we, we obviously, because indie, uh, because FIRE was a small indie label, they couldn't give you a massive advance, so we couldn't live off that. So we were all just sort of, you know, doing doing what we were doing.
0: Yes. And trying to time off. <laughs> I know, I know. It's quite. Now, it's
1: quite. It's at this time as well, right? Nice little bit of gossip for you. Our drummer, no, our bass player, ran off with the drummer's girlfriend over Christmas, right? This one Christmas, and they went off to um, thingy to get married. Where do people run off to get married?
0: Vegas. Oh no, um, <laughs> la, la, something Scotland. In, in Scotland, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they went. They ran off there. My Brett God, Green, Gretna Green. Green. Ran off, right? This, and then. This was over Christmas. Oh wait a minute! The bassist, the, 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 the bass, bass player, ran off with the um, with the uh, with the drummer's girlfriend. God, the drummer did... didn't have a clue that this was going on. They ran off, got married, and we were due into uh, Lemington Spa Studios in the January, right at the beginning of January. And this happened over Christmas, and we had to travel down to Lemington in a but in a van that uh, could only do forty miles an hour. It was absolutely freezing. We were all stuck in the back of this van. Those two were just like. <laughs> Can you
0: imagine? <laughs> oh my god, that is so we th- had to
1: do it, yeah. So it was it was kind of like they weren't talking to each other, and, and we had to put the, you know get this album together, play together because obviously we were doing some live lives stuff as well there, uh, in the studio. And uh, yeah, so that's a bit of gossip for you, not god, many people know that,
0: no, <laughs> and and slightly <laughs> awkward. I mean, there are always those classics, <laughs> yeah. but but it's always nice when you can sort of uh, channel the spirit of Fleetwood Mac in any band, and <laughs> uh,
1: that's. It's absolutely true. It's like, you know, every band has a Fleetwood Mac moment, I think. It, it does. It was yeah. Definitely the final tap one.
0: That was definitely it. And did you? <laughs> and did the other members of the band know something slightly up, but were like, oh, God, this is tricky. But they... well,
1: it was me and Steve. It was just me, Steve, Mark and Andy. Andy had run off with Mark's girlfriend. And so me and Steve had got an inkling this was good. We sort of knew something was happening, but we just we didn't know. And, and, and it all came out just after Christmas. We got a phone call saying we'd been and they'd got married, and could we pass it on to Mark? (laughs) 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 Oh, we we just we just have to go down to Leamington. Do you think you'd be all right together? (laughs) You know, we've got this album, so you know we were always we always had something going on. (laughs) So that was that was done under that little cloud. (laughs) Yes,
0: and interestingly enough, you had a single lead station which was released and featured on the NME's carry on disarming video That's which, right, yeah. which yeah. i went and bought and i have oh, yeah. and I, I have got a copy of it though i haven't played it for years and wow. I, as we always say now in these moments yeah. going and i don't have a video player which is a bit of a shame really because i'd love to because mm. they are quite of their time i mean talk about being made cheap it is unbelievable but they do have a quality so i must try and somehow figure out how to um I don't know. Yeah, be
1: what? good. Yeah,
0: be good. Uh, yeah. So yeah. the good old NME. So basically, at that time, you know, we'd had the C eighty six cassette. People were getting yeah. very excited, and then you had that problem, which was a bit of a problem because that was half the band. So those two then left the band, didn't they?
1: No, no, they they um, they stuck around for a little while because we had a single out before that. We had um, sometimes in vain was our first single. Um, so we stuck around. We had to tour that a little bit, obviously. Now. I can't remember. I think when Lead Station... Right, Lead Station was due for um, for release. We'd been down to record that um, separately, so we were still together. We did stick it... No, they stuck it for a while. Wow. We went down to do... Because um, Lead Station isn't on the album, wasn't on the album, and they wanted uh, fire... It had been a B-side, uh, one of um, one of our f- first singles. I think it's on the B-side of Sometimes in Vain. It became quite popular... To other people, so Fire decided it should be our single. So we went in and recorded it again. We did a re-recording of a completely, you know, polished version of Lead Station. Excellent. And so we were together then, and 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 Fire put a bit of money into it, and uh, then we had to tour it, and then um, and that's when it fell apart. So it was just after, yeah, we had one of the a big a single that was going to do something, and those two decided that well, uh, Mark left. Um, and then Andy was still with us. We got on the train to go down to London to do some sort of promotion, and Andy didn't turn up. And we never saw him again.
0: <laughs> oh my God, that's like because there's another Fleetwood Mac story in the sixties where one <laughs> of the members went to get something. And he joined some religious cult, and they never saw him again. And it could went. have
1: done that for all I know. I'm sure he did. Actually. So he had, he had the, drummer's, the drummer's girlfriend for his wife by that time. So uh, so we we never saw him again.
0: Again, again. Yeah, that was it.
1: That was it. And then, funnily enough, those two, uh, for everything that happened, those two ended up in a band together a couple of years later, which was very strange. But I don't think Andy stuck that and The bass player didn't stick that out. I think he left. But, yeah, it was a very odd odd thing. Cause, and it's a shame because we did all get on so well. And yes. I, think, I don't think things were ever really the same after that. No. I don't think they were. But... Um, <laughs> That's that's what happens.
0: <laughs> that's what happens. But then that left you and Steve.
1: Yeah, we went down to the, we went on the truck Our management. We had this guy that worked for our management came running along. It was like a film, just catching up and getting on the train. Oh, I don't know where Andy is. We can't find him. And we so oh, "We'll go down and we we'll, We had to do, you know, you know, interviews with the with the music press to try and plug this single. And uh, it was just the two of us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow! We couldn't really say
1: anything to anybody. We just, said, oh no, the others can't make it, and uh, yes. <laughs> so it was quite funny. Feeling. But then we had to tour the single, so we decided um, to do an acoustic thing, um, which was awful. We, if we'd have, again, it was just one of those little setbacks. If if we'd have had the band, you know, it would have been a lot better. But me and Steve had to go out and do it acoustically, so it was okay, you know. But you know, it should have been the whole band.
0: Yes, but the brilliant thing is I'm I'm feeling very sort of, um, yeah, just enthusiastic. You kept the band going, though. Oh,
1: God, yeah, we kept it going for quite a long time. So then
0: recruiting Matthew Perkin and Paul. Well,
1: Paul came first, and then um, we did have to audition in the end. We thought, because we knew so many bass players in leads, but we had to audition in the end, so we got Matthew. And, uh, yeah, to be honest, I think... um, it gave us a different different sound cuz you know totally different drumming style and bass playing style so so yeah we and then then it kicked off again Parachute men mark 2
0: Brilliant. So did yeah. you, I mean, you know, now we look back at people like David Bowie and think, wow, you know, they did all those albums, one a year in the 70s and had yeah. all, quite a lot of different lineups. Did you feel that it was quite a nice or, uh, you know, a, a opportunity to sort of experiment or try different things with different? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, Our sound changed. Um, our songs changed slightly, I think. But I think your first album is always different anyway, because they're your first flush it's the first flush of songs that you're doing with those people and that's influenced by you know who you're with and um what you've gone through just before you were I mean I went through a a massive breakup while when the band started and that sort of was a lot of the album was kind of about that really or things you know in that sort of what happened in that era so um so so then, of course, got, you get all out of the way and then you've got to start thinking about other stuff
0: to write about. So with lyrics, <laughs> with the, that first album, you had sort of songs called, you know, Goodbye, Past, Not Forgotten, Maybe If I Had Said. Are they all sort of references to sort of those kind of troubled moments?
1: Yeah, probably. I mean, um, you know, you, you know, obviously you, you write lyrics, you get a line that might be influenced, by, and then you have to fit the rest in. Um, that, that, that go well, that sound good together. But yeah, you know, you, the, you yeah, I think it was um, a lot about that. It was it, there was a, it was a quite a major breakup, and and it involved a lot of friends as well. So you know, you find out who your friends are, don't you? And and there was a lot of things going on. There was there was a bad drug scene in Leeds at the time, so it was it was all that's how that album came together. So when the other two came along, it was all fresh and new and. Slightly more dance influenced drums, I think, because our drummer was getting quite into the dance scene. And um, you know, yeah, I think it, you know, and when we and live, it just took off. Yes, It, was,
0: it felt quite fresh live. So, in, so between sort of eighty eight and then nineteen ninety, when the when you sort of done the album Earth Dogs and Eggshells, did yeah. it sort of feel like the band was sort of going to continue on for a, a bit longer?
1: Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, we were getting, uh, we were picking up momentum. I mean, there's this, um, you know, we always had good live shows. There's this, uh, you know, there's so, something somewhere. I think it, I think Wikipedia somebody's put that, you know, we suffered because of low shows at, uh, you know, at, at gigs. And we didn't, you know, we did some really good gigs and uh, we supported like House of Love and uh, a couple of other bands and it was great. You know, we uh, we had a, a lot of good following.
0: Yes, and then and then,
1: uh, and then Matthew left. <laughs> Uh, he got an offer from the Jesus and Mary Chain. Would you believe? Actually, I think he left, and then he went to audition for the Jesus and Mary Chain. But um, uh, so we needed uh, another bass player.
0: So, yes. Yeah. And that, and was that the moment where you just ran out of steam?
1: No, no. We got, <laughs> we got a girl called Colleen who went on to be in the Pale Saints and the Warm Jets. Wow. Now, she she came over from Canada and she was looking for a gig. She was living in London and she we were advertising, I think, in the Melody Makers, I can't remember, and she came to Leeds and lived with us for a while and then yeah, she was a fantastic bass player. Plus she could sing backing vocals which we hadn't had before, which really did lift us up. And um we were at times were just really good then. We the live shows were brilliant. Yes. So we had a third, <laughs> a third. Not a second wind, a third wind, um, and uh, and it was good, and um, we enjoyed it. Um, did and you? It was a shame.
0: And did you record any material with Colleen? Uh,
1: no, we didn't. In fact, that was that was a big. That was her uh, big disappointment, really, because she came. We uh, she learned second. Well, she learned all the material, and we did a lot of gigs. Um, and Fire didn't come up with um, any more I think I think I think to be fair I think they lost uh, it was the recession a recession came along fire um lost their distributors they went down fire had to lose a lot of people and we were one of them we were you know we yes. were one of them that was it because it was all-
0: because having, you know, like with a lot of bands, you know, especially who'd sort of began around the same time as you, if not a bit earlier, you know, there's the kind of just being in a band and dealing with the dynamics within each, you know, with each other, the lack of money. But then there was also a lot of things, you know, things that sort of knock a lot of bands. Is like there's a the mu- change in musical scene. So that, that dance world that came along and then the sort of slight grunge world. And I sort of, you know, having spoke to quite a few people, they just kind of felt like, actually, we just can't make that dance album or we're not really grunge. So... That that um, kind of, you know, and and sort of, I don't know, I think it was a member of uh, the Primitives was saying that, you know, they just got to that point where they released an album and no one seemed interested, whether it was the music press or even the fans, you know, they'd all moved on and they just felt a bit like... Actually, we just oh, I'm up. glad
1: you said the primitives have said that because um you know that did happen I think that happened to a lot of us and what happened the the, the main reason the the story behind um us not uh, the second album not quite getting the attention that the first album did is because we made the album um we made it with a guy called Hugh Jones who's who's worked with a lot of a lot of bands a lot of really and he's, you know he's brought there's a few singles that he's done that have, have, have done really well. And um, we had, um, I think we had the artwork. Now this is a Spinal Tap moment. We had the artwork all all sorted out. Fire didn't like it. So we had to go back to the drawing board and it took months for the artwork. They were stupid. They shot themselves in the foot because by the time the album came out, the rave scene was going on and the Happy Mondays were massive. And if you didn't, if you weren't in part of that, you had, that was it, You you were dead and we were. Um, so if they'd have brought it out a few months earlier, we could have maybe had a chance, maybe. Yes. You can't can't blame, it's no good, there's no, it's not a blame game, it's just one of those things, that it just, it's going to happen, isn't it? It's not going to happen.
0: Yes, well, I realise that it's so much about sort of there is talent, obviously, but there is and there but there is timing, and timing is kind of mm. so important, you know. Cause, Absolutely. Because I was talking to Richard Strange, who was in Doctors and Madness, and he said, "God, we were two years too early for punk." You know, it was, a, <laughs> you know, it was like we were there in seventy-five, twenty, you know, and they were twenty-five, so they were ancient by then. So they, yeah, you know, I mean, so so two yeah. years later, the punks, you know, all the punks yeah. used to go and see them and and then sort of copy them and then became. You know yeah. fam- fabulously famous and rich for a short time, but Hugh Jones now I spoke to a member uh, uh, a member of the Die Pretty, who were from Australia, and they mentioned this producer, I think it was mm-hmm. Hugh Jones, and said he was quite extraordinary. He worked on their on, on their album for about three yeah. weeks, and they never saw him sort of do anything but drink and and work. And, oh and smoke <laughs> that's it and they kind of found it rather boggling was he the same or did he have the same lifestyle it's the
1: same guy he was uh, oh he was just brilliant we all loved him so much we had him we worked with him for three weeks um he came up to leeds and stayed with us to rehearse the album for a week and i think he practically gave his services for nothing with that i think he i think he did that week for nothing um, he'd take us out for meals. I mean, the guy was an inspiration. He just made that album. He made that second album was his, really. And um, then we went into the Driftfield studio that I told you about earlier to, to make the album. And it was just a blast from start to finish. He was just a brilliant guy. And he would work into the really early hours, you know.
0: Um, yes. Well, they, they said...
1: Work, they... Work. We'd all be shattered. And he'd be like, he'd be like four o'clock in the morning. Come on. Let's have this one. I've got an idea for this track. And he just, and they, I, I'd go out for six for him. I'd be his, I was his SIG runner, you know. And he it, it, it was, it, it just smokes. I think he might have cut down over the years, but I don't know. <laughs>
0: Well, yes. Well, but, they were boggled. You know, they flew him over to Australia, and they they worked on whatever album it was. And just, I think he worked on two of their albums. The, this is the Die Pretty, and they just said, you know, they couldn't quite believe he just sat there smoking and drinking and mm-hmm. thinking and working, and and didn't seem to do yeah, anything. And it was and, a, and he
1: he just he, he loved Paul McCartney, and he loved he, he he just adored the Beatles. And he met Paul McCartney when he was an engineer, you know, a rookie engineer, and. Uh, obviously, can you imagine what that would have been like to someone who worshipped the Beatles? He, he, he actually did something for Paul McCartney in the studio and he, he used to tell us all these stories. And, and, of course, he brought a lot of that to us because we loved the Beatles as well, so we wanted to kind of, you know, inject some of that in into the album. So, you know, he, he was just an inspiration. He's fab. I loved yes. him. So then,
0: what happened? How did you, to quote Jim Morrison, did you have a moment where you were all sat down or a moment where no one turned up? What for the finish.
1: Oh the effort no it just petered out. It was <laughs> it's really disappointing to talk about, really. No, it just Colleen decided that um because we weren't getting any any interest anymore, Colleen decided to upstick. So she went back to London and I think she ended up with the warm jets first or the pale set. I can't remember which one, but she ended up with both. Um uh and then um yeah it just all fell apart really there wasn't a lot we could do there was yes. not a lot we could do
0: um,
1: so, and people weren't actually weren't going to gigs anymore you would go out in Leeds and that the live scene was dead and i think it because it was a recession and i think um it just it was just one of those things it, uh, an accumulation of a few things and it all just um it all came to an end
0: And how did that feel for you? Because obviously after spending so much of your time in the band and also, you know, warming up to being a member of the band, did it sort of feel a little bit like a a loss?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, I wanted to keep going. We did try and keep going. We tried to do things, you know, independently. You know, we we made a couple of uh, little, like, demos for, you know, maybe try and do something ourselves. But... um, time was running out really i think um the heart your heart goes out you, you know just you lose heart um and uh other things were taking over so
0: um mm, yes yeah. it's always tricky yeah. i remember mean, speaking to a member of you know mega city 4 and he and you know, he said he spent oh, yeah. just 6 months kind of walking around just complete, yeah. in a depressed state. I mean, they
1: were they were sort of contemporaries of ours. They, they make a city four. They they weren't doing the same circuit really. Yeah, so I remember them.
0: And the you know he he cut his hair and just walked around and didn't know what to do next and and never touched his guitar. I think he had to sell everything because because they had a tax bill and they we, we, they they had a bill and they sold everything and he never yeah. played again and that was the oh, end. Oh, that's,
1: that's uh, uh, we um, we decided that. Um, We'd have to sell our gear. It's another little story for you. Um, we took it all up to the. We used to. We, there was a shop in Leeds, and this this guy used to to sell us stuff, and we'd buy. We'd always do deals with him. He was a really good bloke, and he he'd always get you the best stuff for the best prices. And uh, he said he'd sell our gear for us because we had some really nice stuff, you know, a Rickenbacker a guitar and things like that, um, and uh, good amps. And he said, right, okay, well, give it to me and I'll sell it for you. And he gave um, me an acoustic guitar as part payment, a nice one, and then gave something to Steve. And then we went up about a week later and he'd gone. The shop was empty. (laughs) He'd nicked everything. He'd nicked everybody's stuff and just done a runner.
0: Bloody hell. Nicked
1: all our stuff.
0: Oh, my God. (laughs)
1: So do you know what I mean? It's like it's like getting caught in the rain and the dog pissing on your boots at the same time. <laughs>
0: yes. Oh my God, that must have felt.
1: Yeah. So we went. Look, we went all over the place and we found these people and we said, "What's happened to Ian?" and and they said, that, "Oh, he's just gone. He's got our. He's got our so and so, and he's got our gear, and we've got he's got our PA." And he said, "He must have done a runner with a lot of people." So we thought he, he must have had all this stuff. And thought, God, you know what I mean? I'm onto a really good one here. I better go. <laughs> yes. I think he's probably in trouble himself, actually. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a nice little ending as well.
0: <laughs> so, so luckily, your material is still well, is available now, isn't it? Well, it's yeah. on it's on Spotify and it's up there. Because one thing that a lot of people like, e- even if they know there's no money, is to have everything archived. So, have you managed to get most yes. of your material all sort of nicely, sort of sorted?
1: Uh, well, I mean, uh, I I haven't. Um, I haven't kept that. I mean, I've, I've obviously got all our stuff. I've got it all from when it all got released, when it came out, you know, in white labels and the, all the originals. So I've got all that anyway. But it's nice to see there's plenty of stuff on YouTube. Um, there's a couple of interviews on there that I've completely forgotten about. There's uh, that have got quite a few hits, which is where are these people coming from? You know, <laughs> <laughs> who's watching this stuff? Yes. Um, so you know it then quite you know it's nice to see that uh, that there are st- there is still a, an interest in the band that we haven't actually completely faded away that you know we are part of a, a little indie canon if you like you know
0: I know, this. it's the kind of, um, I suppose, for every artist, Spotify must be a mixed blessing, but you realise that you are, you are there, and if you like one band, they'll go, oh, fans also yes, like this band, Spotify. and then you go, oh, I'll click on that, and you think, oh, this sounds also very good, you know. Yeah. When did this I go? I thought you did
1: Spotify, actually. I'm a, I'm, a bit of a, I'm a bit crap, you know, when it comes to, you know, I, I, I think I might have done it at one point, but I, I haven't got into Spotify. I don't do much like that these days, so I might have to check it out.
0: Yes, yeah. it's it's yeah. there and people are listening yeah. to your material, which is, like, like, you know, probably all over the world. So so then is that, was that the end of your kind of the musical, you know, your musical moment in life? No.
1: Or? Oh, I mean, no, we've, I mean, I've carried on working, um, doing all sorts. I, bought, I brought my own little trio out um, called Tallulah Twist. I had my little girl. So that held things up a little bit because when you have a child, you know, it's not very easy to, uh, you know, to, to keep that going. So, um, after that, I, I did my, my little trio and then, uh, Uvert played in, in the latest, the last thing we did well, I was in a covers band. So that was quite good fun. Excellent. Um, but I've managed to keep going. So I was writing a lot of songs. I did have a band, um, a couple of bands that I did my, that did my songs. Um, but it's, uh, it's all been fairly low key. Um, you just played the odd, you know, quite nice gig rather than just, I don't want to just go around the toilets anymore, you know. So it's, um, you know, it's just playing, I haven't lost it completely. Although I must admit, for the last year or so, I haven't done anything, but, you know, the,
0: the past- other things are important at the moment. But it's quite interesting because, um. There seems to be another thing that happens. 30 years, the passing of 30 years seems to be kind of when people start looking back and kind of, rather than just go, oh yeah, that was that stuff. Like fanzines, there was two books came out on the kind of 80s fanzines. And I'm sure a few years ago, we'd have just been throwing them in the recycling and suddenly it's like, no, no, we need to archive it. You know, Archiving after 30 years seems to be quite the thing. So I think yeah. a lot of people are looking back and I know it's kind of probably a bit of a strange one, but you know, you must realise that um, you see a lot of those people who've probably been slightly dormant for quite a few years or decades have suddenly started sort of appearing again, sometimes as the band or just sometimes playing sort of like just quite low-key gigs again after after dealing with the trauma that was was being in an indie band or just a band yeah. of, of any description. So it's quite nice to see so many people still enjoying it, like, I don't know, Pete Astor or the guy from The Brilliant Corners and, and so, yeah. so on and so forth. So it's great to, that people are still enjoying it, even though, you know they 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 are sort of left a bit traumatized by that you know the experience of (laughs) such a strange profession did you deal with you know i mean did it affect you much you know dealing with that world
1: what the um no uh oh yeah i mean obviously yes i'm I'm i suppose i suppose it did yeah um i just do you know i'm sorry david it's very difficult it's a long time ago now and it's so much has happened but um I mean the whole. When I look back with a lot of fondness, I'd, um, uh, yeah. I mean it was it was great. I, the the bad things that happened, like when it all it all folded, is just gone now. It's just been you know I, I don't consider it trauma you know a trauma or
0: yeah.
1: you know or anything like that. Yes. It, yeah. It, it's just gone. It's, it, it was bad at the time. But I don't really remember now because it's so long ago and so much has happened.
0: Yes, I well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all had sort of moments where things have been horrible, but then, yeah. you get, but then you—you know—there's the cliche that sort of time does heal slightly, or not so much heal, but other something else happens that makes you put something in perspective and perspective. I
1: suppose it depends how much you've invested in it, really. I mean, I think with us, we went from we didn't—I I don't think—I know this sounds. It sounds pathetic, really, but I don't think we were aiming for greatness. I don't think we ever expected greatness. We just wanted to be able to do what we were doing and for people to like it. I don't think we wanted to be a huge, you know, stadium-filling band. We never had that ambition. Um, So I think if maybe you you were treated as, say, at the time, which we weren't, as like little gods of the indie scene, um, then perhaps things might have been a bit more difficult to to get over but we never really had any great expectations so I think um I am maybe grateful for the time that I had doing it um but you know I didn't see us as particularly you know uh huge or anything so um it was just good fun at the time and I'm glad that we got that we had it you know we had that time
0: yeah absolutely and just lastly what would you kind of say to an 18 year old self or you know just the sort of thing that you picked up over the decades that you thought god that would have been really good to have known when i was 18 as i was trundling into this world
1: i would um i would be far more ambitious i would say you must be more ambitious you must be um ready to get blood on your boots basically um because um i think it's very easy to get walked on and um and especially being a woman as well in the music scene um you know you do have to have um a a very tough skin and I think I I should have been harder um I should have been I don't know um I think I I lacked what it took in ambition and drive I just thought everything probably was going to come to me so now I'd say to my 18 year old self just get out there and push (laughs) yes but I've never been that sort of person unfortunately but um yeah I would I would do that I would say that yeah
0: Yes. Well, it's interesting because the reason, one of the reasons, obviously that was my time being the main reason, but the indie scene, I, which, which I've liked so much, is that actually there were a lot of, there were a lot of more women playing in bands, not just, yeah. you know, either on, you know, drums, guitars, vocals, mm. you know, than any other kind of scene mm. before. Yeah. So I, you know, sort of, you can't, you know, I sort of now well even then didn't really think about it that much until you look back at the punk period you think it is a bit blokey the punk period isn't it you know it's like it's just rock and yeah
1: i mean even the women in the punk scene were treated as you know they were treated you've always had this problem in the music scene is you're a woman in a band you're not a member of a band you're a girl group you're not a group Yeah. you're a woman in a band you're not a member of a band uh you're always treated separately when you're a woman in the music scene. It, it, it you're set apart from your male you know your male colleagues counterparts whatever and it, it's it you know you, it, you come, i came across it a lot there's a lot of sexism and i'm sure there still is and um and it it's uh, the the punk scene what didn't change that it didn't change that at all there were more women out there but there's certainly it didn't change things because those women suffered sexism i mean you had the strong well susie sue and people like that were very strong but mm-hmm. um you know you, it, it it's always been there, and it's never going to stop. You're always going to be the woman in the band.
0: Yes, but so, I think I think with the indie scene and things, especially like Sarah Records, it, I think it did alter quite a lot. Well, I don't know about a lot, but you know, it did sort of. S- i suppose it just introduced people to a whole other way of being and or just introduced you know people who weren't going to want a lot like Bon Jovi to something that was much more different and didn't have yeah. that trevor horn production and yeah. and you know bands like the Phil. I did uh, yeah it
1: was it was good the indie scene was 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 very good it was uh, it was um uh, you know it, it, it was uh, refreshing it was uh, it was nice yes. it was,
0: yeah and do you i mean obviously liberating. I thought I thought it was so liberating. I love the eighties. Um, <laughs> well, though actually, if I'm honest, I've spent most of it being all rather sort of angsty and sort of you know, and an irritated about the political setup. Unlike now. <laughs> 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 but do you ever sort of oh, no, I know, <laughs> yeah. if only, if only. Anyway, um, yeah. do do you ever sort of keep in touch with any of the members of the band? You know. Fades? No,
1: no, uh, Colleen the the, uh, the Canadian uh, the Canadian bass player uh, we chat on Facebook because she's back over in Canada yes um, I met the original drummer Mark a couple of years ago three or four years ago went out for a drink um, and we chatted and uh, that was quite funny but I haven't he's 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 a nice guy but he's he's got a massive family apparently and he, he doesn't do Facebook or any of those things he doesn't do you know social media so um, me and Steve, of course, are linked because we've got Holly together. We've got my daughter together. So we don't speak much, but we're obviously, you know, but he gave up completely. He won't even touch a guitar now, apparently, Holly tells me. He's a professor at some university, and he doesn't, he doesn't do music anymore, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> and nobody else, no. Everyone just went to their, went off to, you know, different parts
0: of their worlds and uh that was it god that's yeah. yes it, it's kind of yeah. you, you know to quote joy division you walk away in silence don't you yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> but anyway it's been oh well look thank you ever so much fiona for no, um for giving me your time and i know yeah. the foot i know i think you said the football's on but
1: well like, i we played earlier you
0: played so earlier and you won so <laughs> i thought thank god for that <laughs> <laughs> I did have a quick look and the oh, Leeds are playing, they've won, that's <laughs> yeah. good. And you we know. won, so and I was in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and you're top, of, are you top of the table?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know what the results are, because West Brom were playing, I don't know if they're playing today or tomorrow, but they're like, they they are top at the moment, they, they've they gone, they're below us at the minute by only by one point, so if they won today, they'll go ahead of us again so we shall see.
0: God, well, hopefully. the. are second,
1: though, even if we're not, even so we're still second, so it's, it's still have promotion. It's, it's probably,
0: are you a football fan? I used to be very obsessed. I'm not quite oh, right. so much as I used to be, but I was very obsessed in the early years. Norwich? Well, God, it's a bit embarrassing, really. I, I could quickly tell you why this happened. When I was growing up, OK, it's, I'll, I'll try and do it in 60 seconds. I, I suppose uh, <laughs> we're being quite young. You know, my family were all quite into football. Not my mum, obviously. I say oh. obviously, but, you know, she hated it. And, we, right. you know, there was three boys. And I had an older brother who was seven years older than me, who I kind of worshipped. Bizarrely, he supported Leeds. But he, oh. had, he had a friend um, called Jenny Rusted. And everyone used to talk about, George Best and Man United, and I thought, God, mm. I must support Man United because because <laughs> I love Jenny Rusted, Okay, this is a, you know, I was about five or seven at the time. Oh. Little did I know that Man United were utter rubbish. And they got <laughs> and they got relegated, and but they kind of were my first love, so I stuck with them in that kind yeah. of That's weird. That That is kind of, you know, by I wish I'd see I wish I supported Ipswich because they were brilliant in the 70s and the 80s, but I stuck with many nice. But I don't really care now, but I do quite like Ipswich and Norwich a little bit, you know. I yeah. mean, especially a small Ipswich who have sort of utter rubbish. Well, Norwich are doing well, aren't they? They're yeah, hard. they are. They're going down though. Um, they're going to get what? relegated, aren't they? They're 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 in that bottom. Oh, three.
1: Okay? Oh, sorry, I, I you know, I don't because they're in a, different, in a different league, but I thought they were doing
0: okay. I think you'll pass them at the end of the season. Oh, Because right. <laughs> they, they're they in the bottom three and it's oh, like they're not really doing it now.
1: Plenty of time.
0: Plenty of time to, <laughs> to, to um, possibly score one more goal before the end of the season. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, that was it. I mean, I really like when the World Cup's on, watching that mm. for a... But I find now with football, there's just so much of it, you know. But it yeah. was funny because Leeds were such a team in the seventies. Christ, yes,
1: they were huge. They, they were, were they
0: just, and I and I saw them a few times at Portman Road. My dad took me and my with me and my brother, and I yeah. saw oh, I saw the mighty Leeds. You know, the classic yeah. Leeds with the Bremners and yeah, Johnny yeah. Giles and Alan yeah. Clark. I mean, they were just, yeah, oh, they were yeah. just horrendously hard, weren't they? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> golden era that was a hell
0: of an era I mean and I can still remember when they lost to Sunderland because my brother was devastated you know in the FA Cup you know it was like it was like oh my god how did that happen you know the mighty Leeds they were just mighty weren't they yeah 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 they were unbelievable absolutely yeah yes anyway bring back Brian Clough yeah (laughs) oh I love Leeds United because they really did balls it up sometimes didn't they
1: oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> I definitely still do.
0: <laughs> anyway, look, I know. I do love football. I mean, bizarrely, I know a lot about the 70s because that was when I was. You're a bit like the music thing when you were at a certain age, you consume it so 24 7, don't you? And then yeah, you definitely. think.
1: It was my era for music, definitely. My 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 great. I love the 70s.
0: Yes. So I, much happened. So well, um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, look, Fiona, thank you ever so much. Yeah. And, I'll, <laughs> and I'll be in touch and I'll tell you when I put it out.
1: Oh, great. All right, then, David. Well, nice chatting to you. Yes. Uh,
0: have a nice and Christmas. You too. And a great, yeah. yes. And okay. hopefully we'll get through the solstice and it'll be getting lighter. Yeah. Okay. L- have-
1: yeah. <laughs> All right, then, David. Take
0: care. You Bye. too. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.